Hey, hey, Podnotians. Welcome to Linux for the Rest of Us, episode 235. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Ian from Calgary. If you want to know how your name can be mentioned as well, just click the notes to the show and click on the Patreon link, and the information is right there, readily available. Uh, that's the easiest way to support this show so we don't have ads strewn throughout for products that actually sell, harvest your data, violate your privacy, and do it all for the name of profit. Someone who doesn't do things all for the name of profit is uh, Bruce uh, Patterson. How's everything going, man? I'm doing pretty well. How was your holidays? Uh, When people ask me that question, I almost feel anxiety. I'll say this. The kids were happy, very happy, because they're spoiled brats. The wife was happy enough. I didn't die. She didn't kill me. Uh, So I'm perfectly fine. Nice. As long as you don't have to do a body count at the end, you're doing all right. Yeah. And it was, well, because me being me, it was a combination. All Every um, Christmas is like a combination holiday um, because I am a secret closet numerologist to a degree. Uh, my wedding anniversary is we got married on 0101-2004 because 0101 is four characters in the year 2004 so i could never forget the year we got married and the day we got married um so I, we, we had christmas we had new year's we had my wedding anniversary and we had my sister-in-law's birthday who is december 31st so we spent a lot of money and now we're going to spend the next couple months just recouping oh sweet although i'll have to tell you of the uh, christmas we had where it was the winter of coal and onions uh, when we were kids, uh, my brothers and I fought all the time. I mean, we every day. In fact, my father got so sick of it one year. He said he's canceling Christmas, and you know, we figured, ah, sure you are. We're we're gonna call his bluff. So, for some bizarre reason, on uh, the twenty uh, fourth, one of my brothers said, "Hey, what if we stop fighting for a day?" And so we called a truce, thinking, "Yeah, that'll work." And um, so. December 25th rolls around. We get up at 5 o'clock in the morning. We run downstairs. There is no decorated tree. However, the stockings are full. And true to his word, they were full of coal and onions. That is a good man right there to follow through. Yeah, but the problem is, is I kind of wish he had actually just stayed with it. Because the thing is, is that when we called his bluff, it was... uh, the problem is, is he gave it to us all on our birthdays, and that's not much of a punishment because between my brothers and I, we are all within one month of our birthdays all being clumped together. So when mine hit on in February, uh, my brothers were literally right behind. In a matter of two weeks, we all got our Christmas presents. Wow. I say that must be pain. I, I am so happy that my kids are literally five months apart from each other it just spaces everything out and it makes everything to me a little bit less stressful oh yeah absolutely yeah but you know what it was one of those things that over time it was one of those where i'm not a religious person and so i don't tend to celebrate these holidays so you know i do enjoy the time off and we'll take it for what it is um I did mention uh, we were talking offline about Mark Maron's podcast. He has an awesome response to Merry Christmas. I can't say it on on the air here, but go over and listen to his interview with Jimmy Tingle. It's in the first five minutes, and it's hilarious. I'll just say in my experience, a lot of what Mark Maron does or says is not um, – 
okay for this network. But I will say this. If you haven't watched it, Bruce, I will pirate it for you and get it to you if you haven't seen it. Um, Glow, back in the 80s, Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling. There's a docudrama is the way that I put it. It's not a documentary. It's not real. Okay, it's, It is fiction. But it's how the Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling could have happened in this one fictionalized uh, thing. And one of the main people behind it is Mark Marin, who is completely on drugs the entire time and he is like the perfect casting for that role is what is what i'll say oh i had no idea that's funny because you know it's back right uh glow absolutely it's on access tv no oh absolutely it, it's got a different name though it's now wow i have got listen I, okay for those who don't like the tangents on podcast get the hell away go listen to something else um I vaguely, because when I was a kid, I watched, you know, Bob Backlund, you know, Ted DiBiase, wrestling. And I remember once in a while turning it on Glow and thinking, what the hell am I watching? Um, but you, but now, because I know the business a lot, a lot, okay? I've literally drank with King Kong Bundy and, you know, people like that. I've literally uh, enjoyed activities with the Iron Sheik. Um, many people like that. I understand the business now emphatically better. So now when I watch wrestling, it's a completely different experience. So I'm very, I have to now check this out. You will not be disappointed. Oh, uh, it's card. Even when I'm disappointed, it's still entertaining. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. In fact, I find myself going back to wrestling again. Interesting study. As a side note, um, apparently the folks who uh, do studies around uh, the WWE have found that their audience actually returns every four years for some reason. I think they get tired of the stories. They take a break and they come back, and they know their audience pretty well, which I'm I, I'm hesitant to admit. Well, they are the smartest sports thing that existed because they were the first to say we are sports entertainment before anybody else. You know, th this was entertainment driven. Um, and they did a very good job of basically blowing all competition away, closing all markets, uh, closing all corners and monopolizing everything in the verse. And yet they don't get like any kind of federal things against them for being a monopoly um there for a couple years the mcmahon empire was one of the most well-funded um highest profit revenue businesses in the united states of america and then when they have bad years they have really like bad years well it'll be interesting two factors here because while lind of course is now a u.s senator in connecticut um but i'm more interested in what happens in february when the xfl goes live ding Again, when the XFL goes live again, this oh, is the second go round. And don't don't think she's not going to have a part in their tax breaks. Oh, exactly. Um, and I'm here. The main reason I'm interested in anything is because of competition. I want competition. I want the NFL to fear what could happen. Just like the main reason I was drawn towards Lennox was I want to see other operating systems sweat and worry about what are these other people doing? What are they thinking? How can they do that? Um, same thing with the XFL. I want them to literally astonish people with what they're doing. Well, we hope it works, and we'll be sitting on the sidelines rooting for them. Uh, speaking of which, do you want to get into viewer mail? Oh, I like mail. Um, I have to remember where the mail is. Um, I have a really, like, 
hard time reading when it's more than like two sentences. So sometimes a mail comes in, I open it up, I immediately close it, and then I mark it as unread, and I really hope Bruce brings it to the show, so I'm forced to read it. All right, well, in this case, this was uh, one that we just got from one of our listeners, Robbie, um, looking to uh, get into the business of IT, and I'm not sure if you had had a chance to see my response for it, but uh, the big takeaway from all of this was just simply networking. Uh, but let me let me give it a quick read here. So he basically writes in saying, hey, Doran Bruce, I'm one of those younger persons who was put on the college path for getting into IT graduated with a degree in computer information systems. However, I'm having trouble looking for tech positions as I find most require previous work experience in a related field. What would you guys say is a good position to start at? Currently, I work as sales rep for a large industrial supplies company. I thought about looking for a tech job there, but I'd have to relocate across the U.S. Unfortunately, we're heavily tied to Microsoft's suite of programs, including on the back end. This is a problem for me because I'm Windows illiterate. Since I've been a few years, I'm a bit rusty with networking and basically forgot all the Java programming I've learned. Would you know of an efficient method of brushing up on these essential skills? If you made it this far through the email, thank you for your time. As to the niche I'm looking to fill, I'm unsure. Systems administration would be my goal, but i got to find a way to get there. Regards, Robbie. Very, very good email. Very well thought out. And honestly, it's very obvious that you're a smart fellow. Well, I went into a long screed about some of the things that he could do. And, you know, again, one of them was, uh, you know, find events. There are meetups everywhere. Um, the closer you are to a major city, the more likely uh, meetups are everywhere. Um, unfortunately, it's a subsidiary of WeWork, but uh, hopefully they're unfazed by um, what happens with uh, that particular uh, uh, application. Anyway, the short of it is this. Networking is where you have to go because I'm hard-pressed to know anybody who has found a job just straight into HR and apply. I don't know anybody that's done that. Everybody I've worked with has had a person refer them to us or, and, and it's just, and it's not just the job I'm currently at. It's in any job I've ever had, period. I mean, HR stuff just simply was a formality. I had more or less been hired once I got the uh, good word from a friend. So networking is key. Yeah, yeah, and I'll say, people, when he says networking, he doesn't mean layer six. He doesn't mean IP MAC addressing. He means rubbing shoulders with people. And, and, and there's no doubt, okay, this is America. Bottom line, the last study I heard was, I want to say, around 2008 to 2012, where they did a, uh, where they like polled 200,000 people in the United States for people who had their job for more than two years and were at all happy with their job where their satisfaction rating was above 50% where they were at least moderately happy with their job or higher and in an outstanding 86% of those people got their job because of someone they knew whether it's a family member a friend or an acquaintance or a friend of a friend or whatever and with that stated in the United States of America nobody puts their neck out for anything unless they're sure about it so Knowing people is the most important thing you can do for your career. Number one. Number two, you're young. I hate to say it, okay? Uh, in the roller coaster we call life, 
you are going to have to take a job where you're not getting paid good money. You're going to have to do what the Iron Sheik would call pay your dues. You are going to have to be the guy on the bottom of the totem pole. You're going to have to be the guy who brings in coffee for the other people. You're going to have to be the guy that says, I'll take the on-call phone, you know, even though I don't have to, just like, you know, I have right here in front of my hand, my on-call phone. Um, you're going to have to be that guy for a certain amount of time while you build your reputation up, while you build your credibility up, and when, and at the same time, networking. When you hear about coworkers, when you hear about tech events, go to them. And this is 2020. This ain't 2019 anymore, okay? You have a beautiful thing called meetups. And no, it's not M-E-A-T. I say it every time. It's M-E-E-T, meetups. Go to meetups. I don't care if you're in the middle of a cornfield. You can find a meetup less than an hour away from you where you will have like-minded people meet and just sit around, eat pizza, watch something, hear about something, hear about a new thing com coming out and have a couple beers. That is the best possible way to meet people who are like-minded to get your foot in the door because there's no way to be successful in the United States without somebody else saying this guy can do that kind of job. Oh, and don't worry about being um, Windows illiterate because Windows was made specifically for people literally coming off the street because uh, if, if these tools were dumbed down anymore, uh, it would be embarrassing what you what this country runs on day to day. Uh, and I have to tell you, speaking from experience, uh, I am uh, I'm not necessarily a Windows admin, but I am an administrator who has to use these Windows tools. And holy cow, it is not like being a Linux administrator. Yeah. And you don't have here's the thing. It doesn't matter what you're literate or illiterate about when it comes to technology. It really doesn't. And I say that with with the most utmost honestly I can ever give anybody. All you need to do is have two things. Have the passion. You have to want to do these things, okay? Number two, you have to know how to use search engines. If you believe, if you even start to believe that anybody getting paid eighty dollars to $180,000 a year walks into their job and does not have to use search engines and does not have to turn to somebody and say, have you seen this before? Do you know what I should do? You're crazy, okay? Everybody uses search engines. Everybody asks for help, okay? The two things I can also tell you on an interview, the two things you have to do is, A, just be frank and honest with them, okay? If there's something you can contribute to that is at all related to your job, whether it be on GitHub, whether it be on any other website, whether it be anything that's all related to your job, do it. Okay. You have to, because that shows passion. That shows determination. People get college degrees, not to show how smart they are. People get college degrees to show the amount of dedication they have towards a goal. And that's what businesses like to see the dedication. You can do the same thing with GitHub or Coursera or edX or anything else. Shoot towards that. And you also mentioned that you don't know what niche you would shoot for, what kind of job title you would shoot for. Here's the one truth about all technology. Whatever job title you could have in three years, the odds are that job title doesn't even exist today. Okay. It is ever fracturing and splintering and the number of tech jobs are only multiplying insanely. 
Okay. If you want an easy job, AKA easy to get job, you go for security because there's no chance security jobs are going to get less paid or have less number of them in the near future. You say you knew Java. Okay. Knowing any coding languages can get you a, a entry, uh, job into almost any place you can think of because there are so many people out there who do not know how to code anything. Um, I'll ask, you know, where are you at? Let me know. I will see if there's anybody else I know in that local area to get you kickstarted, but you have to go and like Bruce said, network with as many people as you possibly can. And in regards to some of the coding stuff, you know, uh, Java is good. Python, of course, is actually pretty big, uh, even in uh, enterprise, because uh, I know we have a couple of initiatives now where I work, where they actually made it mandatory last uh, last month. They said in, in 2020, their administrators are going to have to know Python. So that's a pretty big step. Uh, another item, too, is that I can't begin to tell you about how many hours I've logged onto YouTube just watching Windows administration stuff. Microsoft has a channel, so uh, obviously jump into there, see what they have for videos. Um, among some of the other, some of the better ones, uh, let's see, Linda is now, I believe, a paid paid course, but I don't think the fees is crazy. And of course, edX is also good for, especially if you want to focus on languages. Um, but anyway, uh, lynda.com has a lot of good Microsoft focused uh, modules. And I'm actually going through a, uh, uh, a two hour course uh, going through PowerShell 5. It's seven now, but I mean, not many people are actually using it as, as we speak, but it's a start. And it's got to be, and we can't stress this enough, really has to be about passion. If you really are interested in IT and you really want this as a job because you really enjoy it, run with it. If you're doing it because it's going to pay the bills, it is going to suck ass after five months. Yeah, and I know more than a couple of people, literally, who, 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 when they get home, hate technology. Um, and they come into work and they do tech. And it's painfully obvious to me and everybody else that they might know just enough to get by but they never know enough to the like the image i want in your head is they never know enough to have an executive walk by their cube and tip their hat to them kind of thing they don't they just don't um you have to have the passion in order to really be successful at this um um you know don't worry about what you ne don't know to never ever worry about what you don't know because you will be awarded a computer with internet access and just search for youtube stuff search for google stuff uh, i will say bruce uh, i told a story i don't even know who i told it to but i know 12 years ago now at my nine to five job my boss um i'll just say pat was her name best dang boss i ever had basically she came up to me one day and she said hey um you know steve we just started doing this new thing and uh we're like you know monitoring people's web activity and you know we have like nearly three thousand people who work here and you're like the number one user of internet bandwidth and you know she was like well i don't understand why and i said well because i go on youtube and i learn stuff and she was like well that's awesome uh, and more importantly, that's actually part of passion right there, because the thing is, is that it's not just simply 
coming in nine to five and leaving at the end of the day. You know, you're following through. You're following on some of the things. For me, it's a weakness. If I if I know that I'm not strong in a particular area, I'll actually go and grab videos and watch it, even if it means doing it from home or whatever. I mean, again, it's because it drives drives it. But one other item too you might want to consider too is is openly uh look for mentoring because uh that's another thing. I myself got frustrated after years and years of searching. I've given it up. However, you know, the irony of it is that now I'm a mentor to two kids. So there you go. Well, and like one of the things he said, which of course now I don't have in front of me, was like, what's the best way to learn? The best way to learn is a trial by fire where you have no choice, but you have to learn. Um, so honestly, I encourage younger people, take a job that I don't want to say you're not qualified for, if I play basketball against somebody who's not as good as me, I'm never going to get better. If I play basketball against an NBA, you know, Hall of Famer, I'm never going to get better. But if I play basketball against somebody who's just a little bit better than me or, you know, better than me, I will get better. Okay. So I encourage you. The challenge is the key. Take a job that you might not be qualified for, but, you know, it's like a little bit above your ability and you will learn and you will get better uh, to harken back. And I can't remember the guy's name now. And I'm really upset. Um, there's no greater feeling for a human being male than to go to bed at night, sore in anguish with a stressful day. And with the realization I provided for somebody else, I had something in front of me that people thought I couldn't do. And I did. And I did better than anybody else could do. And tomorrow I'm going to wake up and I'm going to have more hardships and I'm going to have more challenges in front of me. And I almost look forward to it. That is life. You know what I mean? So I encourage you take challenges seriously. Um, don't settle for easy jobs. Uh, take jobs that are a true challenge and without sounding dumb. People like me and Bruce are here. If you have questions. I've never seen this before. What do you think I should do? Send us an email. We'll help you out. Well, that also, and one other thing to add on to that, don't be afraid to make mistakes. Everybody does. And if you're doing it in the earnestness of your job, you'd be surprised at how much leeway you get from that. Because, you know, the thing is, is it's, it's absolutely the only way you'll learn. The key here is not to make it six times in a row. Well, yes. I break stuff. I break stuff all the time. The question isn't, do you break it? The question is, after you break something, do you figure out how to fix it? And then preemptively, next time, can you make it not happen kind of thing? It, it, it is an uh, improvisation, if you will, job. And that's all a job is. Every morning you wake up and it's improv. What am I going to do today? And it's basically just reactionary stuff. Um, I Google, I, well, now I don't Google. I, I've now switched my search engine from start page to using Quant. Q U I'm, I'm sorry, Q W A N T.com. And I'm finding it pretty dang good. Uh, I've been using it now for the last couple weeks at work. Speaking of windows, I've personally deprecated now over 50 servers in the last, uh, like six weeks. So I feel really good about myself. That's funny. You say you've moved over to quant because that's totally what I'm using right now. And it's good. Uh, I'm not gonna say it's the best search engine ever, but it is really good. And I will say, um, um, there's no, see, I love walking in to my job after 23 years 
and not knowing what to expect any day. The only thing I like, I try to explain this to a coworker. I love my one coworker because I know if I try to explain things in a very unorthodox way, he's so ADD, he'll stop at everything and he'll actually focus on me for a couple minutes. And I said, you know what a non new, um, new, um, Newtonian fluid is? And he immediately stopped typing and he spun his chair around and he said, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> and I was like, well, you know, it's like a bottle of ketchup. You turn the bottle of ketchup up, upside down and nothing comes out. And then you tap it and then nothing comes out. And then you tap it and then nothing comes out. And then you tap it and then it goes everywhere. I said, that's like me. For the last, like, you know, 60 days, I've literally went on a tantrum. I went ballistic. We've had a couple people now who spent a month in the Ukraine, a month in India, a month in Sri Lanka, a month in Indonesia, a month in China. And these are people that the executives believe know everything. Okay. And they've been gone for a month. And when they've been gone, I've been going into their applications, modifying their applications, migrating them from old Windows servers to new Windows servers. And I've never seen the applications before kind of thing. And the executives are in shock that somebody can pick up these pieces with these people who are now gone, but they're going to come back. And when they come back, they're not even going to know, you know, because that somebody else went in and migrated all their applications to different servers. And I don't care. This is the kind of thing it needs to get done or else it's going to cost my job a hell of a lot of money if it doesn't happen. So I'm just trying to do my part to save them money. As ungrateful as some of them can be. Yes. <laughs> well, and I, without sounding dumb, I'm okay with that. Um, I expect less and less out of people every day. Um, so if I get any reaction out of them whatsoever, it's a plus, but I don't expect it. And if I have other employees come up to me and ask really stupid, repetitive questions, the same question I've answered like six times in six months now, because I'm like the ketchup going everywhere, I literally turn to them and say, I don't have time for this. Go ask somebody around your level. And I'd literally like push them out of the way and just walk past them. <laughs> nice. Uh, well, I hope that answers uh, uh, the questions or at least points you in the right direction. Because, you know, as Dor had mentioned, we are here. So email is a pretty powerful tool. So send it through and we're more than happy to assist with whatever we can. Yeah. And I'll say, depending on where you're at, there's other factors you're going to have to take into consideration. And here's the honest to God truth. I've sat with people from Red Hat. I've sat with people from Google. I've sat with people from Bank of America. I've sat with people at a couple other places, and I never accept their job offers. Um, I'm a government employee. I, I'm not in this for the money. I've always said to myself, self, I'm never going to make my life decisions based upon instant gratification of money. Uh, I'm a government employee because I crave long-term stability, just like my Lennox. Um, I want to make sure that when I am done and I am retiring from life, there's things in place for my family to help be taken care of at least somewhat. And if I go to Red Hat, if I go to Google, if I go to Nations Bank, Bank of America, M&T or whatever, I will have to make the money myself and set those systems up myself. I'm so disorganized, I can't do that. So I'm sticking with government employee 
because I like the stability and health insurance and life insurance. And these are the kind of choices I hate to say you're going to have to make as you age. And there is no right answer. It's only the right answer. What's for you. So never jump jobs unless it's at least 10 to 20% more money. And you believe you have more control. Um, never go to a job where you believe you have less control, but you might have more money because you will lose. Oh, absolutely. I gave it a shot in management last year. And had it not been the fact that my old department uh, never closed my position, uh, I could have easily been out of the job for taking a chance. But they've embraced me back and things have worked out well. But uh, at some point, that's a discussion for another time, too, because, uh, Dor, you and I are in an interesting situation now where, you know, we're as they say, middle-aged men, and the job market is not very friendly to us at all. And where we are is probably a good place to be right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm nearly 50. You know what I mean? Um, and But here's the thing. You know, there's pluses and minuses. It's perspective. Um, I had a 3D printed piece I have at work now. I try to explain to people, when you look at it from straight on, you see the letter X. If you look at it from 90 degrees to the side, you see the letter Y. If you look at it from 90 degrees up or down, you see the letter Z. Perspective is reality. Okay. Same thing with the job. As the time goes on, priorities change and uh, what you crave changes. Um, uh, that's why I encourage anybody getting into a job market, make sure you feel like you're going to be challenged for at least five or seven years. Like when it comes to security type jobs, um, there's different types of security. There's the, I work in security, but really I work in a reactionary field. What are we going to do after we breached, which is a job onto itself, or I'm the security guy that just runs scans and pushes reports to other people. Or I'm the security guy who actually goes in and modifies servers to try to be more secure. So even when there's a job field of security, there's a million different things you can do in that one field. Um, and the beauty with stuff like Coursera and edX is at least gives you the ideas of what options are out there for you. Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, let's see. I think we've thoroughly beaten that one down to the ground at this point. Do you want to segue into some of our other uh, stories? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's one link. There's actually a couple of links I sent you. One of them that I found extremely interesting was from the um, Tech Re, um, Reum Public. And it caught my eye because it was called the eight of the worst open source innovations of the decade, which I will say are the kind of things that I don't believe most other podcasts would even talk about. Well, I'm curious about the uh, criteria because, you know, I'm looking over the list now of some of the things here, and uh, it's 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 interesting. I'll give it that. Yeah. Um. Basically, this was a very clickbaity headline. With the things that they list are number one, the Steam Machine. Okay. So let's just stop and say, could this have been one of the worst open source innovations of the decade? Well, it definitely was one of the biggest failings because they went nowhere. And anybody who knew about Steam, anybody who was aware of Steam OS knew I could build a Steam machine myself because it's just using Debian. 
and I could spend a fraction of the money. So who the hell would buy a steam machine? I don't know. Although I have to tell you one of the things, and I'm not a gamer by any stretch of the imagination, but in the last couple of years, and I've had an opportunity to do so, I have uh, installed steam. I like it. It's uh I don't have a problem with it on uh, the machine. Uh, it doesn't choke on any of the hardware that I have. And um, um, I don't know. I mean, the Steam machine is one thing, but the Steam application is another. Uh, and I like the Steam application a lot. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm a vexed gamer is the way I put it. Um, I loved you know, classic arcade machines. I loved classic gaming. I even went up to like Super Nintendo, Nintendo 64, GameCube, Wii. I, I played Grand Theft Auto 4. You know, I played a lot of games, but this is 2020. I don't have a lot of time for games. What Steam is doing in a competitive marketing space, I love. I absolutely love because competition it's better for every consumer out there. And they are really driving competition. Um, their steam machine was the most foolish thing they could have ever tried. Um, it was just horribly derived and whoever said it was a good idea, obviously doesn't understand how computers work is my logic. Um, but, um, I just keep wanting the company valve and steam to be competitive. Um, and I want other people to compete with them just to drive innovation. Uh, there is now, uh, Steam Link software as well. You can get even run on a Raspberry Pi where you have a Raspberry Pi connected to a television set. You have your Steam machine running downstairs, you know, your quad core, whatever processor with 32 gigs of RAM, whatever. But then upstairs on your TV, you have the Steam Link software running on your Raspberry Pi. And on your big screen TV, you can be streaming your game from your desktop computer and using a controller. And it's just like you had a console connected to your television set so it's really cool now there are a couple uh, other uh, ubuntu uh items on here and eh, i don't know as easy it is as it is to uh you know uh attack ubuntu for the things that they do you know quite frankly i have a lot of respect for them because you know without their willingness to take a chance on things we would never know whether or not these things could actually work and i applaud them for at least giving the effort because um i don't see any other distros actually trying to make that kind of reach now granted the goals are different um but i mean like i said uh, i i appreciate canonical and the things that they try to do ring a ding friggin ding and that's why i love you bruce this art and this is the whole reason i bought brought this art article it, it was like a bait and switch and you caught on to it and you picked it up right away ubuntu unity is listed which is a colossal failure i mean obsessively ridiculously colossal failure they tried to do the amazon lens and all kinds of crap in it and they basically decided finally to just throw the code away and now you have these poor street beggars who were previously selling dead rats for profit are now picking up Ubuntu Unity and trying to sell that to people. Um, good luck, good riddance, stay away from me. Okay, the next thing, Ubuntu Phone. Again, colossal, ridiculous failure. This company said, let's do a Kickstarter. Give us 25, I want to say it was 25, I can't remember, million dollars and we'll make it happen. And they made nothing. They made like 1% of their money. And then underneath it, Ubuntu Edge. 
What the hell is Ubuntu Edge? They tried so many things. I literally forgot what Ubuntu Edge was. But here's the gimmick. If you don't try things that are outlandish and are and that some people consider crazy, you're not trying hard enough. Canonical is the only company that I see in the last 10 years who have pushed the edge, pushed the envelope for more than a couple fronts. So I salute them. That's hard damn work to stick your neck out over and over and over again. Do I like them as a company? Would I want to work for them as a company? Do I want you know, to give them direct money? Not really, but I admire their gumption. I admire their um, uh, effort in all of these things. And because of them, without sounding dumb, because of their efforts, Lennox is more successful than it's ever been. Oh, I completely agree. In fact, as a result, look at some of the successful spinoff distros. I mean, Linux Mint, are you kidding me? I mean, it's interesting to go to DistroWatch and you look at the top um, top distros, and it's incredible that Ubuntu isn't even top five anymore. Well, here's the thing. It all depends on how stuff gets measured. You know what I mean? Perspective is reality. Um Ubuntu has its niche, um, and I think that they're fine with it is what I'm going to say. Um, I still don't even know what the hell. So the Ubuntu Edge was the smartphone, but then it has Ubuntu phone. I don't even know what the hell Ubuntu Edge is, but uh, yeah. Um, they And here's the thing. It's like podcasting. With podcasting, I believe you're successful when you shoot for a niche. And to be honest, that's what I believe Ubuntu is now doing. They're just silently very stealth-like shooting for a niche. They don't care if they're the number one downloaded distribution in the U.S. or France. They don't care if they get the most postings on Facebook. They don't care if they're getting all these other things. They're really shooting hard for a niche. And to be honest, I think they've been actually really, really successful in like an upstart server type market. I'm so I'm holding my tongue because the next one is apartheid Linux and we'll play it safe. Well, speaking of Linux, Mint, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, apartheid Linux. Exactly. So I'm just thinking, is this one of those new racist distros? You mean like Linux Mint? Uh, Kind of, yeah. Um, This just, okay, listen, freedom comes with a price. True freedom of speech means somebody can stand on the street corner and speak ill about something. That's freedom of speech. Freedom of speech means I can put out a Linux distribution, call it, call it Podbuntu, and have it like link to everything Podnuts related and everything that I believe is moral and ethical. But freedom also means that crazy, psycho Nazis can put out a Linux distribution just as equally as I can. Well, you only need to look at Satan Linux for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and then after that, Diaspora, which I will say, um, I find it almost comically hysterical that people now believe, okay, Diaspora, whatever, whatever the hell it was. Um, We also have the um, Twitter-like service that people, I consider that to be also a huge colossal failure. Um, I don't see that taking off as well. But then after that, Rethink DB. Have you ever even heard of Rethink DB? I have no idea what that is. So how the hell can that be even the top whatever 
failure in open source. I'm sure there's other things out there that we've heard of. Like, um, uh, I'm sure that I'm sure that there has to be more, but I never even heard of rethink DB after that Samsung Dex for Linux. Um, Samsung does whatever politically profitable and financially profitable and Samsung Dex on Linux was clearly not one of those things. I don't know if I would call it a failure, except I might call it a letdown because the idea of it was great, Bruce. You would have a Samsung phone or device. You would plug up the normal charging cable, but instead of charging, uh, connecting it to a power source, you would connect it to a hub or to a monitor. Early on, it had to be to a very specialized hub. Later on, it was just to a monitor. And then what you would see was not your Android operating system. You would see a customized Linux distribution on that big screen monitor, and it actually kind of worked. Well, I've never experienced it, so I'm just going to have to take people's word for it. Well, and speaking of like racist and ridiculous distributions, and then honorable mention, Hannah Montana Linux. Um, I don't know about you, Bruce, but I believe the very first person I ever heard talk about Hannah Montana Linux was Peter 64. <laughs> well, he's probably literally burning in hell right now anyway. Um, yes, he is. Uh, he, I believe him. I believe him. I'm not sure about him, but I know his family, his other family members have literally had to evacuate their houses because of the fires down in Australia. So Peter 64, if you're listening, dude, number one, just be safe. Number two, if there's anything you need, any way these first worlders from America can help you, please don't hesitate to say something. Um, you are, as far as I'm concerned, a pillar of Linux podcasting. Um, and if we could hear from you like once a year, we would feel a hell of a lot better. Oh, I agree. I completely agree. Uh, in fact, uh, what was the show that they used to do? There's a couple of them they used to do. Um, and the names of them are completely escaping me. Uh, that's one of the problems when you have a senior moment. However, I'd like to add to this honorable mention. You know, actually, I think was one of the worst things that was ever developed. Freaking netbooks. Netbooks were like, um, I don't know, like turtleneck sweaters. You know, it's just, uh, I mean, sometimes they were kind of practical, but... You know, I I never got it. It was like, here's a four-inch screen where you can read your emails. We've got a gigantic hard drive, but it has the power to barely light itself. So I, I don't understand what they were trying to do with this. I don't know, but I'm literally holding up right now in my webcam my Asus Triple E netbook. Um, I have I have such such mixed feelings about the netbook. Um. It had such promise. Um, it came close to working so well, but it was just so underpowered. It just couldn't do anything really good. I suppose if the specs were a lot more beefier, um, it could have made it certainly worthwhile. But then again, I mean, you know, I mean, a mini laptop is a mini laptop. No need to call it a netbook. I mean, I mean, it, it did very little for me. In fact, um, the only time I've actually used a netbook, oddly enough, the last time was when I was taking a bus down to New York and I was actually on IRC. And that was actually the last time I was uh, speaking with Klaatu. So this goes back years. Gotcha, gotcha. Colonel Panic Oddcast. There you go. Perfect. That I miss. Oh, that I miss greatly. But, it, but here's the thing. 
it was the individuals on that show and the like sporadic nature of what would happen when they would be in the same virtual space that I really do enjoy. Um, and speaking of cloud two, I'll just say privately, which of course this isn't private privately. I am so happy. He finally grew up and became an adult and stopped mentioning in his show season two, episode four. This isn't a Hollywood television show. This is a podcast. The only reason to do a series, a season is because you have a contractual obligation for each season. And then you have the possibility of being fired between each season. This is a podcast to have a season is one of the most redunculous things I could ever imagine in my life. And yet here we have the numbering system. <laughs> well, I just say start with number zero because I'm a nerd and then go forward from that. And here's the thing. He apparently is a little bit less disorganized than even me because he doesn't even know how many shows he had. So he literally pulled a fictitious number out of his head and said, we're stopping with the season and episode numbers. And we're just going to start with the next episode number of 333. <laughs> Which, why stop there? Why don't you just say this is episode 2000? Just so, you know, because one of my friends who did a podcast believed he would start every podcast episode not with number zero or number one, but instead with like episode 345, just because he believed he would sound more credible. Well, you know who's running neck and neck? Uh, Distrowatch and Tilts. I believe that they match each other show for show. And right now, I think it's like at 846. It's something quite insane. Now, here's the thing, Bruce. Technically, we could destroy them here with Linux for the rest of us if we wanted to, because it's all about manipulation again. We could literally take every episode, cut them into 10 episodes, release two a day, and just, you know, increment the number one by every day, and we would beat them in no time. <laughs> I say make it so. <laughs> I don't know. That sounds like a lot of work. Um, the two other links I want to share, one of them, I will apologize ahead of time to you, Bruce, because I know your feelings about this website, but I'm going to share it anyway. And it's to an OMG, OMG, Ubuntu link. Uh, and it's entitled, Not Excited for the Pine Phone? Question mark. After this, you will be. Okay, okay, okay. Um, okay, I just got to say this. Again, the Pine Phone is going to destroy everything in its wake um in no time i don't know when that time is but it's no time it's going to happen um and then there's another link and the next link is to actually one of the pine phone i believe he's a pine phone developer i say that out loud and i'm really not sure what he is uh, but he literally shows off four different operating systems um running on the pine phone and none of them run perfectly this is what i love bruce i love honesty you know what i mean like when I work with a coworker and they admit to me that they don't know what's going on and they don't understand this, I want to lean over and kiss them on their forehead because yes, yes, less revel in the fact that we don't know. Now let's learn together. And this developer put up a video of the Pine phone operating systems, but also admitted that none of them are running perfect yet. Yep. In fact, I remember you sent me that link. Jeez, uh, I'm going to have to rewatch it because I know that I I was half-heartedly paying attention to it. But, boy, I'll tell you, it's 
it will make me interested in it. I may actually break down and do it because it's 150 bucks. When this phone starts to take off, they're not going to be able to control the flow that's going to come into this ecosystem because it is only 150 bucks. Um, it's one of those things. I almost can't wait for it to become real, but at the same token, I believe it's going to happen so fast that so many people are going to jump on this. It's going to be literally crazy. Well, this is actually something I could very definitely use. Uh, and again, like I said, a lot of it will ultimately depend on the carriers too. But you know what? I feel much better spending roughly $150 as opposed to, I mean, I'm shocked that the Librem M is $799. That's outrageous. Well, the lowest version of it is $7099. If you buy the U.S. manufactured version of it, I believe it's $1,999. Wow. Wow. They must think, you know, it's really, that's a bold price to put out on something like that. Uh, I don't think there's anybody out there in the Android world that's actually running to buy such a thing. Well, there's all kinds of stupid people. Um, it doesn't matter. The real truth is it doesn't matter what operating system is running on it. All that matters is the operating system is not OS X or Mac, whatever, and it's not Android. It's something else. Um, and there's like four of them now that um, are are being like developed for this phone. And here's the thing. Um, there's really only one for the purism, and it's controlled by the one company, you know, kind of like the iPhone. Um, Pine phone, the beauty about the Pine phone is, Bruce, no matter when you buy it, um, you're going to be able to load different interfaces on it, but you will have a plethora in no time of software, of applications, of workflows, of solutions that you're going to be able to do on it. But because it's also running Linux, literally, Bruce, we're going to see a blossoming is the only word I can put up. It's the only way I can dis describe it. And this is a purely thing that I'm just guessing, but there's going to be a blossoming of software where it's going to be like an IDE, but you're going to have software developed to where you and me are not going to have to know hard-coded coding languages, and we're going to have interfaces where we're going to be able to basically make our own workflow scenarios to where when we're on our phone, we'll be able to click a minimum of buttons and yet perform extremely complex tasks that other people basically can't do on their phones. And here's the other thing. This video was transcoded, produced, and edited on the Pinebook Pro, which is an ARM-based laptop. Um, I do believe the true like, decade of ARM computing being ubiquitous for end users is about to really start to take over, and I'm really honestly excited for it. Well, I can't wait for a regular OS to be on the phone because that's one of the things. We talked about this uh, a couple of weeks back. You know, I've got a Lenovo tablet. The hardware is fine on it. The The battery is still very good. I mean, the, the thing now is, what, five years old. However, 
I can only play one freaking game on it right now. I haven't hacked it. Uh, at some point, I'm going to have to. But the Google Play Store is virtually worthless on it because it, it can't update to whatever the latest uh, Android uh, OS platform is. And that's really frustrating because, you know, again, like I said, the tablet's in great shape. And uh, the fact that it can't adapt is what bothers me the most because we don't need to be putting more e-waste into our environment oh yeah absolutely um and i hate to say i hate to say that steve jobs is going to end up being right because i think he is when he first launched the iphone he said we are not going to have installable applications on this device but instead we're going to have web applications and i honestly believe with this phone launching and with you know, the ever-increasing competition between iOS and Android, I think we are going to have web applications start to become mainstream. And like the example I use is Outlook, Microsoft Outlook. To me, they're like the guiding post. When you see Microsoft doing things, eh, it's kind of severe for them to start to do it. But they literally released Microsoft Outlook as a what's called a web app which means even on a Chromebook, you can quote unquote, install it and it will be feature compliant to an installed application. Yet it's nothing more than a web application. I think that's going to really be the really big changing feature when it comes to these devices. You know, it's really funny you mentioned that because uh, I remember the first time I installed it and I thought, wow, this is exactly just like a web app. It's nothing more than that. Um, and then I thought, really, do we need clients at this point? Um, uh, I got to tell you, though, one of the things that concerns me most, though, are some of the articles that I've been reading regarding Microsoft and their great plan to take computing into the sky for just regular customers, uh, regular everyday people. And um Anyway, uh, that's, a, that's a fear that I'm not uh, willing to reconcile right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I, as much as I despise everything about Microsoft, um, I know there are people at Microsoft that I have to respect. There are um, things that they've done to help computing in general that I can't deny. Um, but when Microsoft decides to do something, they don't do it out of the goodness of their heart because they don't have a heart because they're not a person. They're a conglomerate whose only obligation is to maximize profits for shareholders, period. So when they do things, it's only to protect their future profits. So when they start to release things like web apps, it's because they fear and fear that there's no other choice, but they have to start doing this because that's where the business is going to go. And it's all about protecting future investments. Um, I believe Bruce, hopefully in three to four years, you'll be able to buy a device and not have to worry about updates and upgrades to the operating system. So the store will remain compliant, but instead we'll have such a plethora of web apps. As long as you have a browser installed, you'll be able to be still very pro pro um, productive. Well, I think when the day is done, as long as Linux is still a viable option, I think we'll be all set. Uh, which, by the way, as I'd like to reiterate, this is what now my second month with MX Linux. And uh, yeah, I, I love this distro. I really love it a lot. 
you ain't the only one. I've heard now like three people among them, uh, Bill from going Linux.com, um, just tout, just ridiculously tout how strong, how stable, and how good looking MX Linux is. And I have not had the time to sit down and play with it. Well, as one of the things that I did was uh, I've collapsed three blogs into my main uh, main blog now, and so I'll be doing a write-up on it shortly. So uh, I'll divert people to that at some point. Well, I only ask you to do one thing, Bruce. And that is? Make sure, make sure that you pay homage and you mention the French connection. Okay. <laughs> because here's the thing. The last 10 years of my Linux using the most beautiful, the most elegant, the most usable, the most functional desktops I've ever ran. It doesn't matter if it's GNOME, XFCE, whatever, but they've all came from French developers and MX Linux is a conglomeration of two different parties. And one of them was a French distribution that went under and, and I'm trying to remember the name of it and I can't. Are you telling me I'm going to have to pay homage to those cheese-eating surrender monkeys? Hey, first off, I love cheese. Second off, do you remember the name Napoleon? He was kind of badass. Actually, he was only done in by a Russian winter. Exactly. Um, but, and, and that was one of the things. One of my podcasts I listened to, historical something, they really dove into where did that um, um, stereotype come from, French surrendering. And then, you know, was there any merit to it? And it's, yes, it comes from a real place. It's not really clear if they're actually worthy of it. But if you look before that time, nobody in the world believed the French were weak. They believed the French were almost tyrannical and some of the biggest warmongers in all of history. Yeah, I think there's only one person that probably outdoes them. That's Genghis Khan. Oh, I'll, yeah. actually, I'll actually have to uh, show... I'll uh, I'll have a link to a uh, a historian who has a four part history about it. It is thoroughly it's amazing. It's just how they got their civilization to go where they were, and again they managed to do what very few groups were able to do, and that's invade Russia. So yeah. yeah. Anyway, fun um, stuff. By any chance, is it Dan Carlin? Yes, exactly. Dude, love me some Dan Carlin. Oh, big time. Yeah, and, and I'll say this, um, and also like on a previous, I don't even know, it was, no, it wasn't this show, it was, an, it was another show where I picked on Pittsburgh because how the how scummy they are and how low class they are kind of thing. But I say that because I feel a connection with them because they're so much like bottom morons. Um, I pick on people that I love and care about, and I pick on French people because they have a lot of things going on in their country, in their culture, in their ecosystem. They've had as many hardships as any other country I think I know of. Um, and yet they still have enough gumption again to just drive through so much stuff and come out the other side stinking like horrible pus laden sewage, but believe that they smell like roses. <laughs> There's actually an interesting history book that came out about uh, 15 years ago. Uh, by McPherson, I think is the last name. Short of it is that anyway, um, they they put out the question: what had what would have happened had the United States decided that Germany was the folks we should have supported and not the French? 
it would be very, very different today, I imagine. Yeah, I think that's very safe to say yes. But we still might have Putin. <laughs> yes, that's very true. Very cool, Bruce. I will say there was a lot happening in the world of Linux, but um, me and Bruce, are we, we made an active like uh, pact, like Blood Brothers, like in um, um, the movie Predator, when the white guy and the man of ethnicity uh, shake hands and there's that iconic image of them shaking hands. We've made a pact to not talk about enterprise things until we have no choice but to talk about enterprise things. But that day has not came up today. It will come, though, but just not yet. Well, and at some point, you know, um, we'll try to avoid that with all the stories that we have had. Uh, and uh, starting this week, in fact, uh, start looking for our Facebook feeds to be a little bit more populated. Um, I've been gathering some of the stories and I've also been figuring out a way to uh, uh, push the stories that we've been covering. So uh, look for those links to be in our Facebook feed, and it's it's meant to be a little bit more interactive, and you know, if anything, uh, try to get more people on board, and you know, pass it around to your friends. Yeah, and, and I'll let's put it like this: um, this is the worst time of year. Bruce can attest. Um, this is the time of year when bad things happen to good people. This is the time of year where really good people die. This is the time of year where people have so much stress they go into hospitals. Um, I've came to a agreement with myself that, um, depression is linked some manner with isolation. So I've went out of my way, uh, every week or so to just open up Facebook for one period of time, go into the messenger aspect of Facebook and ping at least two or three people that I have not communicated with in some manner of time and just tell them, you know, what I thought about him. Like Jonathan, Adu was one of the people I haven't heard from him in months. So I pinged him in Facebook messenger. Um, loneliness is a horrible thing. Isolation is a horrible thing. Granted, we're not all social birds and we're, we are, some of us are introverts, but even introverts need to once in a while go out of their comfort zone and just communicate with other people. Um, if you're one of those people, I would encourage you, you know, I'd be really thankful if you just reply to me. Uh, and if I'm not re, you know, sending a message to you, don't hesitate. Uh, send me a message on any platform. I don't care what it is. Um, I will, it might take me a week or two to reply to you, but um, I want to be there for as many people who I feel are available, you know, being there for me. Actually, how is he doing? Uh, I'll just say I didn't ask too many questions because I was really terrified. I was really afraid of what I would hear back. I just asked him how he felt. And I asked him how his kids were feeling. And the impression I got back was things are slowly getting better. Um, kids are doing fine kind of thing. And he's just trying to, you know, do what's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I think if anything, uh, I'll reach out after, after we're done here tonight. Very cool. Very cool. And if you want to reach out to us, uh, first off, I'll say, keep it above the waist. Second off, you can send us a email at podcast at Linux for the rest of us. Uh, you can send us a voicemail at seven Oh seven, six Podnut. Uh, you can catch us on the regular places and the most easiest ways, literally just click the notes of the show. 
I despise podcasts that spend five minutes at the end of every show. Where can we catch up with you? Hey, where can we contact you? Where do you hang out? You know, what's your Twitter handle? I hate all that crap. That's why podcasts have show notes. I'm literally tempted to start to put like prize winning things in the show notes to where if people click, I'll send them money just because I want more people to check out show notes. And maybe we can put a, an Easter egg or two in there. That sounds actually awesome, but I have no imagination. So I'll, I'll need help with that. Oh, I've already been looking for the answer and I found it through a, uh, one of the Walmart pages. We're going to reward people with WWF championship belts. That would be awesome. Um, <laughs> all right, Bruce, I, I really do thank you for uh, coming out. I thank you for all your help and support. Uh, is there any uh, parting words of wisdom you have? <laughs> Not from this moron. <laughs> I'll just say, you know, to quote Hulk Hogan back in 1983 or 84, points at his hand and he says, here is where the power lies, brother. Okay. We all have the power. We all have the control to our own destiny. If you're looking for a new job, if you're looking to transition jobs or you're looking to get into jobs, I highly encourage you challenge yourself. Um, there's anything you want to learn is out there and available to you. If you need money for anything, if you need hardware, if you need someone to look at things, don't hesitate to contact us. In the last year, I've sent uh, two Chromebooks to people. I've sent at least five Raspberry Pis out to people who want just isolated uh, computers on their networks. Um, I've helped two people now uh, pay for literally college courses in the last like year. Uh, because I truly believe support those who support you. Uh, and that's what this whole network is about. So if you need support, don't hesitate, contact us. That's what we do. Uh, and when we need support, we ask you guys to help us support. So don't, don't forget, share our link with somebody, you know, push our podcast onto somebody else. Um, you can leave us a review, but that really doesn't help. Um, share our podcast with other persons. That's the best way to help this network. Uh, and I want to thank everyone for downloading. Thank everyone for their emails. Thank everyone for their voicemails. Thanks everyone for their support. And we will hopefully talk to everyone in about another week. Take it easy, everybody. And do not forget, if you do not have root, you really do not know who does. <laughs> <laughs>